Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today our church around the world celebrates Divine Mercy Sunday. It was instituted by Pope John Paul II in 2001, in which Pope John Paul II wanted us as a worldwide church to recognize and appreciate just how overwhelming God's grace and mercy is for us all. In his own words, John Paul II said that the only way that we can begin to fathom and appreciate how overwhelming God's mercy is for us is if we see it through the lens of Jesus's death and resurrection. That's why he wanted to put it as close to Easter as possible. Therein lies the second Sunday of Easter. Now, if you look at the gospel for this weekend, it is two stories situated in one. Yet the first story tells us or shows us God's overwhelming mercy. How does it begin? On the evening of the first day of the week. Remember, that's how it began last week in the story of Jesus' resurrection. Remember the implication of what it meant. It means a new beginning. Jesus' resurrection means a new creation is going to be brought into this world. Everything that went wrong with Adam and Eve is now going to be righted, made right by Jesus' resurrection. After Jesus rises from the dead, a new creation is going to come into this world. It says next, when the doors were locked where the disciples were, well, the disciples are locked, cowering behind doors in the upper room. See, this is what sin does to us. Sin locks us up in ourselves. We are locked into ourselves, afraid. We don't care about anyone else except ourselves. In doing so, we are paralyzed by our fear. We are paralyzed from living out our faith. Notice further the detail in the upper room. Which means what? The apostles are removed from the rest of this world. The symbolism here, this is a portrait of the sinful soul. The sinful soul is just this. People turned in on themselves, afraid, locked away from the world. Essentially, the whole world is centered on themselves rather than others. This is a great portrait of the sinful soul. Now, what are the apostles really afraid of? Well, yes, they're afraid of the Romans. They fear that because Jesus, their leader, has been put to death by the Romans, now the Romans are going to look for them in order to systematically put an end to this new movement. But what did the apostles really do? Well, they betrayed Jesus. They ran away from him at his hour of need. Look at Peter. Not only did he deny Jesus once, but three times. Who are the apostles really afraid of? Jesus himself. Early this morning, they ran to the tomb. They saw it was empty. Jesus had risen from the dead. 
Now they're afraid of Jesus himself. They are afraid of what Jesus will think of them, what he will say to them, and what he will do to them. Now the story continues. It says, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Despite the locked doors, he passes through them. He breaks through all obstacles in our lives, especially the obstacle of sin itself. What we have to understand is the risen Lord wants to enter into our life, pass all barriers, and take up residence in our life forever. Despite the obstacles we set up, and they include sin, fear, and even doubt, Jesus passes through them all in order to take up residence with inside of us. Now notice the first thing he says to the apostles after his resurrection, peace, shalom, forgiveness. He doesn't express his anger or his frustration or his disappointment. Instead, he expresses his forgiveness. Notice the next detail. It says he showed them his hands and his side. Well, why? It's because Jesus wants to teach the apostles the effects of sin. Sin nailed Jesus to the cross. And this is why sin is something that we can't take for granted. We can't take lightly. We cannot say to ourselves, well, you know, I have some problems, but they're just on the periphery of my life. Everything is okay. Well, no, sin is not okay. What does sin really do? Keeps us living in fear. Prevents us from being fully alive. St. Irenaeus once said, God is glorified when the human being is fully alive. Well, when are we fully alive? When Jesus Christ comes into our life, gives us mercy, forgiveness, heals us of all of our sin, so that now we can go out into this world and live the person that God created us to be. We do it every time we go to Mass, every time we pray, even in the simplest gestures of life, of kindness, when we open the door for somebody. Those are all ways in which we are being fully alive person God created us to be. See, then we give glory to God. Are the apostles doing this? Absolutely not. They're in the upper room, cowered away, living in fear. Jesus realizes this. That's why he immediately gives them his shalom, mercy, and forgiveness. He wants them to be fully alive. Jesus does not want the apostles to remain in that upper room forever cowering in fear. No, he wants them to go out into this world and be the people that God intended them to be, to be fully alive and evangelize the world. See, this is what our faith is all about, embracing God's overwhelming mercy. Now notice, he breathes upon them a second time. Why? Because just as the apostles received God's mercy, now they must be an instrument of God's mercy in this world. Just as they felt the mercy and forgiveness of God pass through them, now it must completely pass through them and touch the lives of others in this world. That's why we say in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We, like the apostles, we have received God's mercy and forgiveness. Now we have to allow that to flow in and through us. Touch all the lives of the people we come into contact with so that they feel God's mercy just like we did. 
And see, that's why John Paul II established this day as Divine Mercy Sunday, so that we all may feel and know God's overwhelming mercy for us. Now, let's go to the second story in the gospel, Doubting Thomas. Now, this is a figure that many people throughout the centuries could identify with, especially today. In our society that is dominated by a scientific and empirical mind. You know, most of us, we have that mindset in which in order for us to believe in something, we have to see it, touch it, we have to analyze it, maybe deconstruct it, see how it works in order for us to eventually believe in it. Well, this is a type of framework of mind that Thomas has. Maybe we do too. Now, notice the very first detail in the story. Jesus appears to the apostles, but he does so without Thomas being present to them. Well, this is very bad. Why? Well, it tells us a basic spiritual truth. Jesus Christ, our risen Lord, is most clearly seen in the church. Now, you may say, well, I see the presence of Christ in the beauty of nature and the birth of a child. Well, yes, that's true. I'm not going to argue that. But the risen Lord is most, most clearly seen in the church, in our doctrines and dogmas, in the sacraments, in sacred scripture, in the daily ecclesial life of our church. That's why we must remain in the church in order to see the risen Christ. Thomas wasn't there. Despite the apostles telling Thomas, we have seen the Lord, he won't believe. Now, Jesus returns to them a second time. This time, Thomas is with them. That's good. Why? Because now he is with the church. And now that he's in the church or with the church, he sees the risen Lord before him. Notice Jesus' response to Thomas. He doesn't get angry. He doesn't get frustrated. Instead, he's very patient with Thomas. He says to him, put your finger here and see my hands. Put your hand and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believe. See, Jesus respects Thomas and where he is. Now, this is so common. When Jesus has a one-on-one -on -one encounter with anyone in the gospel, he always goes to where that person's level of faith is. And then he raises them up so that their faith grows stronger. Jesus does this with us. We are all at different levels of faith, and that's okay. What's important is Jesus comes to our own level. And then, like Thomas, he answers all of our questions. He answers all of our doubts. He essentially pushes them all away. And then, he doesn't want to keep us at that level. Instead, he wants to raise us up so that our faith is stronger. He does this with Thomas. Thomas proves this by making that great proclamation, my Lord and my God. There is no greater affirmation of Jesus' identity than this. This is the greatest statement of faith in all of sacred scripture. Who is it done by? Doubting Thomas. And here is the beauty of this story. Jesus comes to Thomas. He meets him at his level according to his terms. In the midst of Thomas's doubts and questions, Jesus passes through them all and then raises Thomas's faith 
So that is strong enough for him to make this bold proclamation. Well, he does the same thing for us. Jesus meets us at our own level. And he passes through our doubts and discouragement. Now, it's easy for us to have doubts and discouragement in this day and age. Day in and day out, we see the news and it's nothing but despair. We look out into this world and we see suffering, whether it's personal or within the world. We see bad things happening to good people. And we say to the Lord, do you really know what's going on? How can you be blinded towards this? Why don't you do something? Well, he does. He comes to us on our level of faith. He passes through our own doubts and discouragements. And then he wants to raise us up. He doesn't want us to remain at this level. Instead, he wants to raise us up and strengthen our faith. And he does just that, such that we too, like Thomas, can make that bold proclamation in our own life. The center of our life is Jesus Christ, my Lord and my God. Friends, I strongly consider you, please reread this gospel for this week. Read it and take it to prayer. Allow this gospel and Christ to raise you up so that you can boldly proclaim each and every day of your life, my Lord and my God. May the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.